Federal Reserve seems to be clued in that there is a collateral shortage. Over the last several months, they have been commenting on it, including a lot more lately. We're going to talk about that and what it might mean for our economic recovery. But first, before we do, ladies and gentlemen, did you know that this segment of the show is sponsored by Jeff Snyder's recent appearance on The George Gammon Show? Yes, yesterday, July 22nd, Jeff was with George talking about all manner of things, though in the first 15 seconds you would think it was about showers. Yes, George Gammon said he was thinking about Jeff while in the shower. Where does the show go from there? It says here, reverse repo, deep dive, mind-blowing intel on shadow banking risks and why Zoltan's wrong. But I don't know, because I ripped out the computer and I threw it violently against the wall when I heard that. So I don't know what the rest of the show was about. Jeff Snyder, welcome to the show. Uh, was Did the show improve after? No, it got worse. It can't possibly be. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I th- what is it we used to say last year? You've left me speechless. I think that introduction has definitely. De- the problem is, though, it's true. <laughs> there was shower talk with George before we talked about Zoltan and reverse repo and cash and collateral and all sorts of things. And, uh, it was a, it was a very good discussion. I think it's worth everybody's time. I regret spending money on this webcam because it's high definition. And so you can see me blush. Oh, man. <laughs> I love that, George. Good. More shower talk from George Gammon. All right. No one's here for that. They're here for a discussion about the Federal Reserve seeming to be clued in about a collateral shortage. We're going to dial it back a little bit to February 23rd. Now, a lot of people don't know this, Jeff, but you were asking that day the chairman, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, you were asking him a question indirectly he was testifying and you were asking him let the audience in on this incredible story well i was i was asked for some input uh, some people who were working with uh senator steve danes of montana who was preparing for jay powell's humphrey hawkins testimony on february 21st and they said you know let's slip in a little little question here about t-bills and collateral and what's going on there and so we put together a question put it in front of the chairman and I, I think you know when you see his the, the body language he shows after receive, after hearing this question he wasn't prepared for T bills collateral whatever I mean and so he didn't really answer the question not that we expected that he would but he sort of gave an answer that you know there's lots of cash out there and these standard kind of boilerplate stuff that Fed chairman always do so he was asked T bill shortage collateral are you concerned no 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 we've got everything covered you know tools in the toolkit kind of a response. Let me read what Senator Dane said. Quote, I was just looking at the T-bill chart and noticing since the 1st of February, the one-month rates have dropped in half from 0.6 to 0.3. Two months went from 0.7 to 0.2. We're starting to get into that realm here of possibly negative rates, which we saw, of course, briefly a year ago, March. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Is there any issues here of a shortage of collateral? Incredible. When I read that, I couldn't believe it. I was thinking they're watching you, but then you'd fill us in that you you helped out. What's driving this as you're watching some of these short-term rates approaching zero? Here's what Powell responded with. So with the T-bills in particular, this would really be a treasury issue, Janet Yellen. But I would say it's a lot of demand for short-term. 
there's a lot of liquidity and people want to store it to some extent in t-bills and there's demand and therefore that drives down the rates that people are being paid or received for buying those assets from our standpoint our policy is the federal funds rate so yeah i'll let you go into it jeff and to the extent there were to be downward pressure on that because of, for example, the Treasury general account shrinking in size, then we have the tools that we can use to keep them that rate in our intended policy range. Jeff, it looks like he is sending everything to Janet Yellen and the Treasury Department. Is that true? And then fast forward to last week, or is it now two weeks ago? July 12th or so, uh, what did he say then and how has his response changed? Well, first of all, I mean, look, I think, you know, let's back up a little bit and talk about what okay. he said with federal funds, because that is how the Fed operates and how it views monetary policy. And you got to think, hey, you know, what is Jay Powell actually saying here? He's actually telling you how monetary policy operates. And it's not about money. What he's saying is, look, we move the federal funds rate around. Well, actually, we don't even do that. We actually move the target range that we allow the federal funds to move within. We influence the federal funds market. And what does that do? Well, that signals to the public whatever message we want to send to the public. So we don't care about the plumbing. We don't care about collateral necessarily unless it impacts the federal funds rate, which then maybe interrupts or complicates the message the, Fed, the Federal Reserve is trying to send to the public because this is about psychology. It's not about monetary competence or monetary conditions. It's about can we use the federal funds rate to signal to the public and the you know employers and consumers and investors, financial services professionals who want to buy stocks at, the, at every every bit that they can, can we properly signal to those people? And we the only the only way we even care about treasury bills or collateral is if maybe the money markets get messed up and that that dilutes or impedes our federal funds signal. That's really what Jay Powell was saying. Maybe there's a lot of there's a lot of demand for treasury bills, but we don't care as long as it doesn't impact the federal funds rate. And then fast forward a few months to June. What month are we in? July. July. And he was asked something related, but not directly related. Now he was being asked about the surge in the reverse repo program that the Federal Reserve has that we've talked about before uh, many times and that you just talked about with George. And he was asked, and his tone, was it different? Was his answer different? Is this related to our first question, his first yeah, question? What he, as you just pointed out, Emil, the first question was sort of, okay, is there something going on in T-bills and collateral? And he said, oh, there's demand for liquidity. You know, there's lots of cash. That was the implication. This time he was asked, what's going on in the RRP? Is there too much cash? And he was asked by, I think it was Congressman French Hill from Arkansas, and he's basically asked the question almost taken from his last response in February. Is there too much cash? Is that why we're seeing the reverse repo go up? And he said, no, there's a shortage of I forget how he worded it. It was kind of you, weird. You could say there is a shortage of safe assets. So, yeah, that's why that's happening. There is a shortage of T-bills, not a lot of T-bills. So also he went before there's lots of liquidity, too much cash and demand for Treasury bills. And now it's. There's not enough treasury bills. That's a completely, in, in a lot of ways, it's a 180 degree opposite look take on the answer. And so what changed between the end of February and the middle of July? Well, the obvious answer is the reverse repo. And the reverse repo is 
is the reason we're even that most people are even talking about any of these things because it's such a big number we're talking about 800 and some odd billion which is it's hard to ignore that kind of a number the problem comes in where most people don't understand what's going on here because federal funds we're taught from the very beginning let's focus on federal funds let's focus on the federal reserve and leave all this other stuff to somebody and we're just assuming and most of the public assumes that somebody is the fed when you can see from the history of the last you know last 40 years and even longer last 60 years and even long i mean you can go back to the beginning of the fed the fed really doesn't ever have a really good idea of what's going on in the monetary system and that's especially true and especially obvious going back to august of 2007. so you know we have this mismatch in the minds of the public where we see these things are going on but we don't really know what's going on because we're supposed to pay attention to the federal funds rate which if you pay any attention you know the federal funds market itself is completely utterly you know irrelevant there's nobody there the federal funds market is a tiny drop in the bucket but the fed continues to focus our attention on it because they want you to believe all of these myths that they have everything under control and that the federal funds rate is the only thing you should worry about and oh yeah there's all this other stuff going on but we've got it covered that's the tools in the toolkit line don't worry about that stuff because we've got it covered where behind the scenes they're all sweating bullets because they know they don't have it covered it's funny it made me think of like they're so focused on LIBOR right behind them there's this they've got their own rate the federal funds rate which should be the number one concern why is there nobody in this market and then but nobody asks them and instead they're saying aha LIBOR look at LIBOR look at that thing over there what no nothing here we've got to eliminate it <laughs> no competition that's I don't want to do a tangent I don't want to do a tangent uh so moving on to uh an essay that you wrote last week July 16th at Real Clear Markets it's called why don't bonds reflect CPI alarm about inflation this is going to be like part two to uh, episode 89A that we've already done. So audience, if you're enjoying this, check out that episode first. And in that essay, you alert us that not only is Mr. Powell thinking about collateral shortage of safe assets, not only has this question been coming up, but some researchers at the Liberty, Economic, Liberty Street Economics blog which is the Fed's New York uh, blog. There you go. I said it. Uh, they wrote about this, Jeff. Well, kind of indirectly. They wrote about collateral and, and U.S. Treasuries and what happens in the early morning hours. How do we tie that all in? Well, what they were really focused on was a, a report that was written by the Treasury Department's Office of Financial Research who took a sort of deeper dive into the repo market as a whole. Well, I shouldn't even say that because they took a deeper dive into one big part of the repo market, but not the whole. They took they they got the access to confidential information from DTCC, the FICC part of the, of the repo. They didn't get into tri-party repo, which kind of surprised me. They looked at some GC repo, but they left the vast the, the majority of repo, which is bilateral bespoke, which is stuff that doesn't hit any tape anywhere. Obviously, outside of their their uh, survey, because. There's really no way to survey what goes on between two counterparties that don't disclose their transactions. 
So they focused on a, you know, a, a part of the repo market, but it was a big significant part using data that nobody else can have access to, to try to get a sense to how does this repo market actually work? And what they find, I mean, there was a several different conclusions, but you know, narrowing it down to our interest and what we think is relevant here, the Office of Financial Research, as, as discussed by the Liberty Street blog said, well, isn't this weird? We keep finding in the early morning hours that most repo transactions get done before the U.S. market opens. So usually by 8.30, 9.30, most of the repo stuff is already finished and it's done for the day, which causes some potential issues. And among those potential issues is something we've been talking about for a very long time, which is what they called in the Liberty Street Economics blog. It wasn't clear to me whether the OFR actually created the term, and it doesn't really matter. But what they said was there, there was this obvious or at least apparent scramble for collateral as this these these pre-market repo uh, these pre-market pre-market repo segments wind themselves as they get really busy and active getting the day's fundings arranged before the US market opens we can observe that there's these scrambles for collateral now what they said was oh that's too much cash there's there's you know, money market funds that are, are unable to access uh, repo markets, uh, repo market borrowers who have sufficient collateral. Therefore, it leads to everybody just piling into into various forms of collateral and collateralized lending. And um, that's where, you know, again, it's, it's understandable they would make that connection because they don't really understand what they're looking at. Yeah, here, let me read it. And you uh, you draw our attention to two phrases. Here's the first one. More recently... Repo market participants have highlighted an early morning scramble for collateral due to an overabundance of cash. This imbalance has several drivers, including less interest in cash borrowing by levered accounts and thus providing collateral. The continued increase of, in cash availability amid money market fund inflows and rising aggregate reserve balances and treasury bill paydowns. This has resulted in an increase in more early morning and negative rate trading as dealers are willing to incur negative cash lending rates to obtain collateral. Indeed, negative rate GC trades throughout the first quarter occurred early in the daily session, earlier in the daily session than zero or positive rate trading as shown in the next chart. What should we take away from that, Jeff? So yeah, they're 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 saying, look, we've seen some scrambles for collateral this year. It must be an overabundance of cash because that's our worldview. What else could it be? Well, we're taught and we believe that you know bank reserves are money. There's a abundant. We're in a, we're in a doc a, a regime of abundant reserves. Therefore, we have to explain everything via via reserves. And so, from their perspective, they're looking at all this thing, all this stuff, and. They're coming to a conclusion from their from their worldview or their ideology, where if you step outside of that and say, scramble for collateral, early morning, repo, this isn't just a recent thing. And yeah. we'll get back to the we'll get back to the recent stuff too, but this is not just a recent thing. We observed this and I documented it in real time last March. You could see during the the March to uh, March 2020 crisis. This exact thing happened. You could see it in T-bill rates that would suddenly plummet, especially beginning with Asian trading. And you would say, what is going on here? It's not an abundance of cash. It's certainly not an overabundance. 
and you'd see it in gold markets where you see gold slam continue. Uh, and we've talked about this, uh, you know, for years that the relationship between gold and collateral shortages and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty obvious in March 2020, this scramble for collateral, early morning repo problems settling that would then lead to problems in the rest of the day where you'd have liquidations and stocks even. So it was, you know, connect the scramble for collateral, lack of liquidity across multiple markets all around the world, not an overabundance of cash, leaving the system into a precarious state of, you know, essentially uh, one fire sale after another after another, essentially a monetary crisis. And we talked about before how the Fed views itself as lender of la or market of last resort, which is a complete change where the, a proper central bank would have been more interested in preventing these fire sales and liquidations, which then ties in with what we just talked about, the federal funds rate being nothing more than psychology. Because when you put all of these things together and view uh, bank reserves properly within that, that review, what you see is that these people aren't monetary. They don't do money. They do psychology. It's not, the Fed is not a central bank. And if the Fed is not a central bank, you got to look at bank reserves rather differently. <laughs> which brings us to 2021. We've observed these scrambles for collateral as the New York Fed or as the OFR is, is, has said, but how do we tie them to an overabundance of funds? It's kind of difficult, especially since late February when you know things have changed and in mid-March, we start to see the spike in repo at the same time, long-term treasury rates are coming down in a deflationary signal that you just would not associate with an overabundance of cash. You would think an overabundance of cash is probably inflationary. At the very worst, it wouldn't be deflationary or disinflationary, right? So again, we're, we're left wondering, what is it we're missing here? And the answer is, well, pretty much everything that matters, everything that's important. <laughs> if the audience wants to read this blog post, you can find it at Liberty Street Economics, posted on the 14th of July. The title is, intraday timing of general collateral repo markets and jeff they offer scramble for collateral is their number three explanation number one was quote the factor that market participants most consistently cite is the start of daylight overdraft fees assessed by clearing banks at 8 30 to dealers that have not funded their clearing accounts the number two reason they cite repo markets repo market participants also look to trade during the most liquid and active portion of the session, driving further activity to the early portion of the day. And then here at the end, this I, part, I found this part really fascinating. They said, additionally, repo market contacts have highlighted an increase in the amount of repo trades being arranged prior to the market formally opening at 7 a.m. The collateral scramble, Jeff, is so real that we're doing it off hours. We need to take yeah. care of this before we even get to the market because I can't risk fighting with everyone else for this collateral. Yeah, and one of the and I think that you know one of the things they left out was that again as I point out Asian European trading those things are going on and yes the US dollar and US dollar funding markets are extremely important to them. There's this uh, sort of uh, you know American US dollar domestic bias at work here. Where we're I mean, even here, they're forgetting about the fact that when you saw, especially in March of 2020, 
T-bill rates fall in the early, early morning. I'm talking one, two o'clock in the morning in rather thin trading, but still that's when Asians were short of that. I mean, Asian trading partners were very short of dollars scrambling for collateral that kicked off all sorts of other things that triggered through the European session and on into the pre-market US open, which is where all this stuff kind of sort of comes to a head that, you know, 7.30, 7 o'clock, 8.30 sort of window where, yes, that's right. You want to you can't face the U.S. regular uh, trading session if you don't have your funding in place for the day or at least the anticipated funding in place. And you can't have the funding in place if you don't have the collateral. So, you know, looking at it from the perspective of reserves and the federal funds and all that kind of stuff, you're, you're missing out in or just the domestic system. You're missing out on, I think, connecting a lot of these dots in order to make it in order to make a comprehensive, consistent picture of what must be going on. You bring up the foreign markets, the Asian markets, in real time in this uh, next article we're going to look at. And we're going to observe what the Liberty... Uh, oh, God, I can't keep... I keep messing it up, Jeff. What's the name of this blog? Liberty Economics? Liberty Street Economics. Sweet God. And it's, it's Liberty, Liberty Street, Street Economics. It's, uh, the New York Fed's branch is located on Liberty Street in Lower Manhattan. And to me, that's... you know, it's, it, We don't need to get into it, but I think it's one of those uh, you know, uh, intentionally disingenuous labeling <laughs> good good yeah no well, i'm off my game jeff i'm off my game uh let's see so getting back to your work real time you talk about it in a blog post at alhambra partners you posted on the 20th of july here's the title of it sorry one more on bills today a really good example of all the things we've been focused on lately i'm going to pull up some charts jeff and at one point in your article you say the previous day's bad things in highly bid U.S. Treasuries had stabilized overnight until around 4.40 a.m. And then you say Asia, an exclamation point. So tell us what we're looking at here with this, not this. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Well, let's let's back up a little bit to okay. remember what happened on Monday. Monday, which was July. Uh, the date escapes me. Uh, but it was earlier Monday, uh, would that have been the 18th, 19th, 19th. 19th. Okay, so the 19th, Monday the 19th. Remember, big downdraft in global bond yields, especially U.S. Treasuries. Treasury, the 10-year Treasury fell something like 12 basis points on the day, which is, again, not consistent with an overabundance of cash, right? We're not talking about an overabundance of money here. We're talking about an overabundance of concern and caution about possible deflation. So... Our audience has asked me if that was a collateral day with respect to episode 89A. And you said no. I said I no think, on Twitter. No, there, it needs to be sharper, longer. Yeah, there needs to be more panic in the buying. It was sort okay. of a steady buying during the day. And, you know, 12 basis points by the end. I mean, I would, I would expect something to ha that, that, like that to happen. You'd see 12 basis points in a matter of a couple hours, uh, not necessarily across the other day. So it was... Yeah, it was kind of getting into that feel, getting into that range. And, it, you know, for a while there was like, yeah, maybe, but no, I, I didn't really. And, you know, this is a, more of a term of art. You know, there's no there's no quantitative thresholds here. And for so, if other people want to view it as a, as a collateral day, they're, they're more than welcome to. And it may it may turn out down the road. We go look back and say, yes, it was. But just, you know, my humble opinion uh, I don't think it took on quite those proportions, but it definitely was a day where you sit back and say, this ain't good. Something's not right here. 
it's not an overabundance of cash. It's an overabundance of deflationary concerns. So that was Monday. Monday, we had a downdraft in yields, deflation, bad stuff, bad potential. And then things kind of stabilized overnight. If you look at the overnight treasury market, um, treasury yields kind of backed up a little bit they, off of their, their low points, and they moved up a little bit. And they were stable until uh, around, what was it, I think, 4.48 yes. m. So right in the, toward the end of Asian trading, as Europe's coming on, all of a sudden, the 10-year Treasury yield began to drop again. And it dropped pretty precipitously in this, in this early pre-morning trading. So again, continuation of not just Monday, but the Friday before, caution, deflation, bad things. And then, bam, right at 6 a.m. on the dot, you can see it on your screen right here. It's, it's so unbelievably obvious. That's why I said it's, it's probably the most perfect example of scramble for collateral, collateral, pen, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't get any more obvious than that. The four-week bill yield, which is about four, you know, four and a half basis points, let's say, within about half an hour, it was down near two. And I think in some pricing, uh, secondary pricing models, it was down closer to zero. Hmm. Obviously, huge demand right in this window that we're talking about. Liberty Street Economics blog saying early morning repos coming, you know, you know, early morning scramble for collateral, but as we just finished up saying and talking about with the, the, the long-term treasury yields, how do we associate this with an overabundance of cash? We have caution in the early morning. We have bad things going on the previous day. And then all of a sudden we have this massive scramble for collateral that's more, that looks a hell of a lot like last March. Now I'm not saying it was in those kinds of proportions, but it was far more, it's this, this, this entire episode shared far more in common with last March than any idea of overabundance of money. And that's the takeaway from your last article that I just referenced, that it's the worst may still be, the worst is still ahead of us if we continue down this path that we've already traced out three or times or so before or four. And this is just an, a, another warning that we're on a deflationary path, not a reflationary one. Do you yeah, have any concluding the, thoughts? The logical question, the logical concluding question is, well, if this was such a bad scramble for collateral and bad things were happening, why didn't it lead to liquidations, widespread liquidations and crisis and all those other things that happened last March? What was What is the difference here? Because we're talking about something that was such an obvious, obvious disruption in the marketplace. You can see it on every single chart, right? All the bill charts and, you know, uh, all those kinds. Of, I mean, it's obvious scramble, scramble for collateral. But why didn't it lead into, because if you remember Tuesday morning, once the U.S. market opened, everything, you know, it was sunshine and rainbows. Markets were up. Uh, even T-bill rates rose. The, the, the four-week T-bill finished the day above five basis points that, that particular day. So what we, we take away from that is that, again, I think that's why I said that, that Monday was not a collateral day because the system isn't quite that bad. It's in a precarious state, but it hasn't crossed over from precarious into critical. And that's why I'm, you know, we're looking for these kind of big warnings. You know, a collateral day, JGB 10's going under zero, which they keep flirting with the zero line. And there's, there's a number of other ones that we could say, okay, we've crossed from things are precarious to things are really serious and critical. And I don't think we're quite there yet. We haven't seen all those things. So we had a serious episode in collateral, which is consistent with this deflationary potential precariousness, but not, it didn't go any further 
because we're not over onto the wrong side of things into this is really bad, dangerous, the system is really in a, in really sore, sorry shape. We aren't, we aren't quite there yet.